Welcome to the online teaching ministry of Pastor Rob Ginter and Farmdale Baptist Church. For more content, visit us online at farmdalebaptist.com. It's good to be with you all this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to the book of Acts chapter 5. Yesterday, I uh, was trapped for quite a while, quite a long time. You might have been trapped like me, but uh, Scotty and I were at the, the outreach at the booth and somebody came by and uh, they wanted to tell me about their church. And uh, we were there and uh, they, they told us about it. And uh, apparently their church is like Walmart. And they started talking about the sports section of their church. And I was like, great. And then they took me to automotive and they're like, the automotive section of the church does this. Oh, great. That's so great. But then we went to fabrics and then we went to arts and crafts. And after that, we went to the shoe section, my friends, the shoe section of the church. And it might not sound very spiritual of me. And, and I love the church. I love talking to Christians, but it got to a point to where I just couldn't wait for it to stop. Just couldn't wait, you know, just pumped for that not to be happening. You know, like we're there we're trying to reach out and like, there's no chance I'm going to visit the shoe section of your church. Um, uh, and then they, it just kept going, right? Maybe 45 minutes. So if you're interested, I, I know everything about their uh, sections of their church. But I just couldn't wait. I was excited for it to stop. Why? Because I'm never going to go to their church. Um, and we, you've been there before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You love to hear about somebody's new keto diet, you know, like tell me about a diet that I'm not on, please. Or tell me about your workout regimen that I'm not doing, please. Oh, better yet. Once you get your phone out, show me pictures of your vacation that I didn't go on. And I know it, right? You've done it. I've done it. I get my if I ever go anywhere, right? I get my phone out and I start flipping through and you see, there's me, there's me and my kid, there's me and my three kids, my wife. I know in their mind is like, I can't wait for it to stop. You know, I know you're thinking that. You're just like, excited for it to be over. Just really pumped. Why? No one wants to hear about a diet that you're not on, a workout plan that you're not doing, a vacation that you didn't go on. If they love you, they will listen to that. But that's, that, that's, they don't get excited about those things. I say that because we are here in Acts chapter 5, and it's just going to come to the point of annoyance as we look at the early church of them talking about the mission of Jesus and being about the mission of Jesus. We might be annoyed by the very fact that they're talking about a mission that we, my friends, are not on. And you say, well, how, how's that possible? Think about it for a second. How much do we talk about sharing the gospel in the church? A whole lot. But how much time do we actually spend on sharing the gospel from the church? I would venture to say that we talk about it a lot more than we actually do it. So when we see what happens here in Acts chapter 5, they will advance the gospel. 
And we see three elements of gospel advance here in these verses. But I fear that we're talking about a diet that we're not on here, potentially for some of us, right? Some of us who are doing this, if you are doing this, then you you need these three elements to happen as you advance the gospel. But maybe maybe the bigger conviction is when I I just say this is what we got to do that they were doing as we advance the gospel. We're not advancing the gospel. So the main point that's not in your bulletin and not in your slides is that we must advance the gospel. We, as a church, must advance the gospel. Not talk about it. Not think about it. Not use it as a buzzword or a cliche. But be about it. So let's look at our scriptures again and see what must happen to us as we advance the gospel. So if you're with us in the book of Acts, one commentator put it that God didn't allow hypocrisy to grow in his church. And as a result, his church grew because Ananias and Sapphira, uh, they, if you were here last week, they, they died in the offering during the offering time. Uh, not okay. Not of this service. Not of this service. Okay, like nobody died during. Okay, uh, Danny can rewind that back and edit. Thank you, Danny. We appreciate it. Nobody died in the offering last week, but in Acts chapter five, they died because of hypocrisy of trying to appear spiritual when they actually weren't. So as a result of that, the purifying and purging of the church empowered the church to advance the gospel. In this passage, we see three elements of that one. The first one being that we must impact the community as we advance the gospel. So Luke tells us that signs and wonders were done by the apostles. And that's not how every church member worked in those days. These 12 men powerfully worked miracles. So how did God work in his church? Verse 12 says they were all together. The apostles did miracles and the church had unity as a result. So we're talking about a church that is both pure and powerful at this point. People from towns around brought their sick, hoping that even the shadows of the apostles might fall on them in hopes that they would be healed. So a holy and united church powerfully impacts their community. That's what we see here in verses 12 through 16 and 17. That the church made some real noise and their influence grew. As This is the first time they affected people outside of Jerusalem. So here's the thing. Our community would not be the same without us if we faithfully advance the gospel like we should. Now, I don't know uh, any church members that like, maybe we haven't had lunch and you haven't told me about a time that your shadow healed somebody. Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe a couple of y'all all did that kind of thing, but I'm going to guess probably not. However, 
that does not change the very fact that we ought to be impacting the community with the gospel and as we advance the gospel, right? The community ought to be better off because we are here and the community should feel it, maybe even be crippled in some ways if the church were to not exist in their part of the world. The worst thing is, is when a church doesn't exist in a part of the world and they don't even miss them. That would be the worst. So no one even misses that they're gone. That's the example that they followed here, impacting the community. And what was the the two reactions as they did this, verses 13 and 14? One, some stayed away, wouldn't dare join them. You know, they, they spoke highly of them, but they remained, you know, stay back from a safe distance from these people. And then secondly, believers were added more than ever. So two things happen when the church is pure, powerful, and impacting the community. There are people who admire us from a distance, but not get involved. And the other one is that God grows the church and adds believers to that. Multitudes, men and women. We see they 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 split along those lines, right? I, I, I'm really ha- I'm really happy about those people, um, who they are and that they impact the community. They'll be religious and thankful for religious people, right? Like they'll be that kind of person. But then the others will actually be added to the church. So we look at this. If it's us, if we're, we're looking at those advancing the gospel in the church and we're kind of in the church, but not advancing the gospel, right? So in the church, not on the mission, it's kind of like this first group. I really respect so-and-so because they share the gospel and they serve the church. We really have a lot of respect for them from this distance. But then there's others who, believers who were added to the Lord. Realizing this wasn't you, right? Why does so-and-so share the gospel and, and spread the, the news of the resurrected Christ and serve the church? Why? Because they realized that they themselves were added to the Lord. The Lord was the one who does this. Those are the results of people who impact the community. And we must be people who impact the community as we advance the gospel. And if we do that, there are going to be people who aren't happy about that. And it is that that we see in verse 17. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, this is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public, in the public prison. So here we see that we must engage opposition as we advance the gospel. They impacted their community. They engaged opposition. So they had influence and engagement at this point. So the news of the apostles and what they did reached the high priest and they were jealous of them. And Luke tells us that they put them in a public 
prison. They wanted to send a message to the people around saying that we are still in charge of the religious realm in this place. If you're curious about the Sadducees, they were the uh, liberal side of Judaism that didn't believe in or conservative, depending, right? They didn't believe in supernatural things like angels and resurrection from the dead and the normal Sadducee jokes that people normally make in a moment like this. I will spare you because if I make them, you'll be sad. You see? Thank you. Thank you so much. So it's it's almost ironic here in, in the passage dealing with the Sadducees who didn't believe in angels that God sends an angel to open up the, the gates to the apostles so they could keep preaching a Jesus that the Sadducees didn't believe in. So God sends an angel to open up the gates to allow the, them to preach about a Jesus that the Sadducees didn't believe in. They didn't believe in the angel that opened the door or the messages they preached when they came out. That's really why they were sad, you see. And at this moment, we see in the verses, as the doors locked and the guards stood outside of an empty cell, we see that God is not concerned about the opposition of a world system that does not believe in what he's doing. There's guys here guarding an empty cell. God creates this silly situation for the guards. You think he's worried? You think he who is on high, it trembles at the, at the biceps of these men? They're nightsticks? You think he's scared? He's got them guarding air at this point. In verse 25, they were told that these men that they put in prison were back preaching in the temple. So the guards sent them to re, get sent to rearrest them and bring them back and look at how Rook Rook excuse me some people call him Luke uh, in verse 28 shows us how the high priests are questioning them saying we strictly charged you not to teach in this name yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us so look at how they engaged the opposition. They filled the city. They filled the city with the good news. This is convicting for me and should be for us because the gospel was illegal and despised and they filled the city with it. And in our day, it is legal for the most part to do and yet our city lies empty and ignorant of it. The city lies in ruins, morally, spiritually. And the church keeps the gospel like it's so precious that we don't want to break it. Instead, it's news to be spread. And they said, we... Like So look at what they said there in verse 28. They won't even mention Jesus' name. That's how despised it is. Like this, this name or this man, we charge you not to teach it, yet you filled the city with the teaching. So may it be said of us that the news about Jesus, disregarded and despised by our culture, is what we filled Frankfurt and Lawrenceburg and to everybody and their mom and their neighbor's mom with this gospel. 
regardless of whether they despised it or held it in high regard. Let that be said of us. Now, you will have to engage opposition if you fill the city with the good news. And why is that? Because, two, they told the city about the bad news. One particular reason the high priest was so against the news of Jesus is the message about, and the message about him is that they made them guilty with his death. So here's why you might struggle to share the gospel. Because it's good news that can only be understood in the light of bad news. And you really can't tell them the good news without telling them the bad news because then that makes sense. So we were there at the festival. If we were talking to people, and we just kind of told them the good parts. They'd be like, you know, I could probably buy that at Walmart. You know, like I could get that cheaper. I could get that somewhere else. But the bad news of the gospel is, is that you can't get it anywhere else what it offers. That's the bad news of the gospel. That that your sin has been separating you from God. Here's what Pilate declared Jesus himself to be innocent about Jesus' death. So what happens in this backdrop of the good news is the bad news says that everyone is guilty of Jesus' death. Well, Pilate declared Jesus to be innocent in Matthew 27. He said, I am innocent of this man's blood, so see to it yourselves. And all the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children. And so it was. His blood was on their hands, the children's hands, and all our hands. Gospel preaching was so opposed because it commands man as guilty before God. And let me tell you what. If you are engaged in advancing the gospel, and you know that what you're going to say is going to hurt their feelings, you just shy away. You pull back because you don't want to address the very fact that they are separated from God because of their sin against him. Let me encourage you with this. They are still separated from God because of their sin, whether you bring it up or not. They're still separated from God by their sin. They're still under his wrath and punishment and headed to hell, whether you bring it up or not doesn't change anything. It just temporarily makes you feel better because you didn't tell them that they are in their sin guilty before God. Meanwhile, they're in their sin guilty before God. And what Pilate said in Matthew 27 is true of all of us, that his blood is on us and on our children. It's true. Notice how Peter takes the gospel opportunity here in verse 30. He says, the God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Now, you all might know the the form of this, who God is, what he's done in Jesus, the God man, what we ought to know and do in response. So 
the three things. They filled the city with the good news, told the council about the bad news, and called the council to respond. That's ultimately what you're doing, what you're called to do, right? That's the diet that some of y'all might not be eating. That's the workout plan that some of y'all might not be working out. That's the vacation that some of y'all might not be going on. This is our responsibility to fill the city with the good news, include the bad news, and call them to respond. Do something about this. That's what they did, and that's what we ought to do. He said this in front of a jealous group of people. The focus isn't on the power struggle about how to gain influence and earthly esteem, but the truth is because you rejected God, he sent his son to die as a sacrifice and raise from the dead. That's what we're telling the people. That's what we're to be doing. To be doing. You know, I heard the a story once of an elderly woman who was blind, as a missionary told me this story. Though she was blind, she could neither read nor write. She wanted to share her, her faith as she became a Christian. So she went to the missionary and asked for a copy of the Bible in French. When she got it, she asked the missionary to underline John 3.16. He did. So she took the Bible and went away. He wanted to see what she would do, so he followed her one day. In the afternoon, just before school went out, the woman made her way to the front door, and as the boys came out and the school was dismissed at this point, she would ask them if they knew how to speak French. And if they said they did, then she handed him the Bible and said, read this. She said, do you know what this means? And she would tell them about Christ. The missionary said 24 of the schoolboys that the lady shared the gospel with one day became pastors. She couldn't even see. She couldn't even read. But she knew. Right? She knew. And it gripped her. That's what she did. That's convicting. Just like these apostles are preaching the gospel from the side of a prison cell. People who hold earthly authority, whether they live or die, no matter the obstacle, we must advance the gospel. We must advance the gospel. And lest you're still not convinced that it would be easy it will not be, as you know, right? But I'm here to say that it's not going to be easy. Do it anyway, because it matters. So we must impact the community, engage the opposition, and endure suffering as we advance the gospel. That's the logical third step. Verse 33 says, when they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. There was a rabbi named Gamaliel who warned them. Now, he gave a couple of examples of movements that kind of like this is a fly by night thing where they showed up and they were really excited about something. And, you know, it, it died away. They all they all died and it went away. He said of this man, if, if it's just of him, it'll fizzle out. But if it's God, you might find yourself opposing God. 
So they they took his advice and they just beat him. They just beat him. Charged him not to speak in his name. And this is striking what happens in verse 41. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Look at that in your Bible. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer. Rejoiced that they were worthy to suffer. That's a planet, right? That we probably don't live on. I'm not talking about like a mission that you're not on. I'm talking about a planet that you might not live on. Because they were likely tied to a post, beaten with a three-stranded whip, lashed 39 times, 40 less one if you have your King James, probably. This was typically used to warn lawbreakers, and more than one person died from this event. This was some kind, sometimes a death sentence for somebody. So while blood ran down their backs and their eyes puffed up to where they couldn't see, they looked at each other and rejoiced. They just rejoice. Look at what they did to us. Look how bloody and beaten we are. Doesn't it remind you of our Lord who was bloody and beaten too? If they squint, okay, John, if you squint your eyes and you look at me, or Peter, if you squint your eyes and look at me, just blur them for a minute. Do I look like Christ? It's a bloody beaten mess. Yeah, you kind of do. And they rejoiced at this. They left the place rejoicing that they even counted worthy to be associated with him. How little do we think about being associated with Jesus? Just how little do we think about being associated with him? Like, wear his name. Wear his name and do it with honor. This seems foreign. Someone will be so consumed with Christ in order to suffer for him. We look at very minuscule things like, I don't know, coming to church or serving in the church as sacrifices. Sacrifices for us. Meanwhile, these guys get beaten to an inch of their life and are so happy that it was because of Jesus. That their name and his name was mentioned in the same breath. What are they made of? What are they made of? Right? What's the material that these guys are made of? And oh God, make me made of the same thing. Make me like this. Because if the thermostat in the church is not set to where I want it to be, oh God, please have mercy. You know? Somebody fix the thermostat. Why should we suffer like this like we do? Oh, the persecution. The thermostat is so high. There's, I'm starting to sweat. I'm glistening a little bit. You know, it's, he said, take up the cross. You know, take up the cross and follow me. Well, I'm starting to glisten a little bit, so I know what he means by that. No. No. 
See, the thing of it is, we are made of these things. We are made of this stuff. We were made for this stuff. We think about the Gatorade commercial. Is it in you? This is in us. How do you know? Well, because when it wasn't in them, they were cowards. They were scared and they were hiding in somebody's closet. They're hiding in the dark. that They might be associated with Jesus. And here they are marching to the stake saying, bring it on, light it up. What changed? What changed? You were in the corner in the fetal position sucking your thumb a second ago and here you are flexing about your bruises. What changed? A really big change. The Spirit of God. God Himself has entered into these guys. And they can't be the same anymore. And they can't live for their own comfort anymore. Why? Because they have the very Holy Spirit of God inside them. And if you're a Christian... This is in you. They are not made of anything that you're not made of. The same Jesus that got out of the grave in black and white right here and in history right there is still alive today. And yet, they were rejoicing for worthy suffering. And we are complaining about mild discomforts. See the difference? I read about this mirror in the life of David Livingston. He was born a little over 200 years ago. A lot of you don't know who that is. He walked 20, 000, He was a missionary who walked 29,000 miles in his ministry. He gave his life in Africa for Christ. His wife died Shortly into his ministry, he faced opposition of his own people and the people there. He described his life. He said, people talk about the sacrifice I made about spending much of my life in Africa. It is emphatically no sacrifice. Say rather, it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger... All of these are nothing compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. I never made a sacrifice. Listen to this quote. He says, If a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? If a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? This commission to impact our community, engage the opposition and endure suffering as we advance the gospel, is not really a sacrifice, is it? It is an honor. This is an honor that the one who spoke everything into existence, who created the heavens and the earth, made man in his own image, created every beast in the field and every pond and lake and ocean, hung every star in the sky and every planet and every moon, that that one that did all of that would have anything to do with you. 
Anything at all. Nothing at all is what we should have together. We should have nothing from that one. Right? At best, anger that we have fallen far short of His glory. At best, anger and wrath. And at worst, nothing. Nothing. And instead, that one right there, who made it all, who did it all, drew you to Himself. He drew you to Himself. He chose you and Him before the foundation of the world, says Ephesians. Why would He do that? I don't know. I don't know. But you know what I do know? That He did. He did. When I look at their response to almost dying, right? And our response to a little awkwardness. I question whether we know the same Jesus at all. Do we really even know Jesus? Are we really even saved? Are we really even Christians? Because Christ is worth so much to these men that they would do this. And I get so wound up when I'm uncomfortable. It sounds like they were living for him and I was living for him. Me. That they would do this and that this would stink in our nostrils. It's convicting. But I tell you, based on their example, we must endure suffering as we advance the gospel. And as I was talking to Pastor Jonathan yesterday, like sacrifice is a real thing. You may have to do something that you would rather not do. You may have to be in position that you'd rather not be in. You may get hurt. You may be rejected. You may be despised or made fun of or isolated. Yeah. That's a real possibility. But you know what that also is? An honor. An honor. That you would, that would happen to you because of Him. And look at what they did. 42. And every day in the temple, from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Suffering did not stop them. Suffering started them harder. They nearly died. When they left the council, they left preaching. You know what suffering does though? It makes you focus on what's important the most. Through pain, through loss, through grief, through struggle. You know what it does? You can't be distracted. You have to focus. You're hurting. You have to focus. You're rejected. You have to focus. You're not comfortable. You can't get caught in your comfort. It makes you focus. It makes you connected to your eternal purpose. And when you were there, you're safe. No matter what happens to you. Because you're connected to your eternal purpose. You're you're okay with whatever happens to you. You know it's not a sacrifice. You know it's an honor. If you compare it to what God is doing in you. 
That's what it is. It's an honor. And let me tell you why this is an honor. Because God is holy and righteous and just and we are not. We sinned against Him. We, instead of being in His image like we should, living in His image, we spit in His face. You know what happened? God became a man in the person of the Lord Jesus and He lived the perfect life that you should have lived. He said, this is who I am. Live this way. And we said, I'd rather go my way. God said, this isn't Burger King. It's my world. And when all things are said and done, I'm going to have it my way. And instead of wiping those sinners out, God became a man in the person of Jesus. He died on the cross for your sins. For everything you've done against God was placed on him. And they put him in the grave. But because he is God in the flesh, graves will not hold him. Death could not beat him. His enemies could not stop him. And he rose from the dead three days later. And now, as I told somebody yesterday, if you beat death, you make the rules. If you are stronger than death, you have my attention. And what does, what does we do to this one who's stronger than death? He tells us to turn from running our own life and trust solely in him. To repent and believe is how he worded it. If you're not a Christian today, you need to repent and believe. You need to turn. How, how's running your own life going for you? Well, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So when the paycheck comes for what you're working on, the end is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So I'm not talking about something that you're going to work for. I'm talking about something that Jesus worked for in your place, that God is offering as a gift, eternal life in his son. If you are a Christian, are you just annoyed? Are you annoyed, irritated about the book of Acts? You'd be like, we're not in the book of Acts. We have Wi-Fi, you know? And coffee mugs that can hook to your computer, apparently. Bluetooth coffee mugs. Don't fact check me on that. Are you irritated as we're going through the book? As if it's a story about a vacation that you're not taking. It's a diet that you're not eating, a workout that you're not doing. There is absolutely one thing to do about it. You need to repent. You need to repent of not being the type of person who advances the gospel. Because what do we see here in chapter 5 in these 30 verses? The gospel filling the city through the church, through opposition, impacting the community, people suffering with joy on their way. See, that's the life you should be living. See, that's the life I should be living. It's the life we should be living. So what's the first step? What's the first step? If you're not looking at this like a diet that I'm just tired of hearing about because I'm not on it. Repenting and committing to sharing, to being a part of gospel advance. Because as Pastor Jonathan and I were talking about this past weekend, the, out, the outreach went quite well. 
we want to do that again. We want to do that again. Why? Because our mission is the spread of the gospel to fill the city. And you know what? The city's not full yet. So let's go together. Let's do it. Stop looking at those pictures. Stop getting annoyed by how committed these people were. Be committed ourselves. Not waste our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word. I just give you praise, honor, glory, power, majesty, dominion, both now and forevermore. We thank you, him who is able to keep us from stumbling on this journey. May you get glory in your church. In Jesus' name, amen.